But anyway, something's working. And uh, so what, what I've got here is the relationship between the Old and the New Testaments. Um, you might wonder why I've thought about a, a subject, something like this, but there are a lot of people today who, when you talk to them about what is your Bible reading, how, what do you read, and they say, well, I read a psalm every day, and, and sometimes I, I read a proverb, uh, or just something like that, and then in the New Testament, and they don't like to read in the Old Testament, it's too long, it's too difficult, it's too complicated, I don't understand everything that is there, but we're going to see why it's important that we see the Bible as a whole. Every part of the Bible is inspired by God and we need to know exactly what it's all about. And so there's a verse I'd like to share with you first of all. 1 Corinthians 15:3 and 4 and it says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And I put OT there for Old Testament because... When the Lord Jesus was walking around and he was uh, living with his disciples and he referred to the scriptures, the New Testament hadn't been written at that time. So he was referring to the Old Testament. So keep that in mind uh, because he put a lot of importance on the written word of God on the scriptures as they are. So the verse says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You notice it's mentioned twice. So that he put, uh, the Apostle Paul when he wrote this, he put an emphasis on the importance of the scriptures. And we're going to see as we go through this little study this morning that the Lord Jesus also put a lot of importance on the Old Testament as much uh, as bringing new teaching to his disciples which would eventually become the New Testament and we'll see the reason why for some of these things. A testament is something that is usually connected with somebody's will. When somebody dies they have a will or they have a testament and uh, they read that to find out what this person is going to do with his $10 that he had left over after, uh, after his life. Uh, I'm talking about myself here. And... Um, uh, you have to split it up between seven kids. I mean, it's not easy, but you have, you have to work out these things. But you have to die first before they can get their hands on that $10. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 through 18, it says, For where a will is involved, and it's talking about a testament, where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. So the person has to be dead before it can come into action. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not a force in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant, and that's referring to the Old Testament, it's talking about the law in the Old Testament, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. And what do the scriptures say about that? In the time of Moses... The Ten Commandments were given as we remember those stories out in the wilderness and he went up the mountain. God wrote the Ten Commandments on a stone and by this time the people were already breaking those commandments by the, their lasciviousness and their way of living. But uh, the Ten Commandments are really the covenant or the testament that God was living, giving to them. And in Exodus 24.8 we read, And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. Uh, 
And so there was a sacrifice made. An animal had to die in that case. And the blood of that animal was actually, I don't think he went around sprinkling two million people with a bucket of blood, but there were the people in front of him, there was a, it was a symbolic uh, sprinkling, and he would spray that blood out, and, and some of the people got some of that blood on them, and it was a, a sign that this was a blood covenant, that this was something that was real. Somebody had to die, or an animal in this case had to die, so that uh, the covenant would be uh, in, in effect. The shedding of blood would begin the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. These are the Ten Commandments. And the New Covenant would be based on the death of Christ. Christ is the one who established the New Covenant or the Testament of grace. And on the basis of his death and the shedding of his blood, that New Testament, that New Covenant was made. And so without the shedding of the Lord Jesus' blood, we could not enter into all the blessings that we read about in the New Testament. There are so many things there that speak about the importance of the sacrifice of Christ, his perfect life. He was the Lamb of God without spot, without blemish, and as such he could be that one who would be fit and able to die in our place as our substitute. And he died on the cross not because he was a sinner, but because he bore in his body our sins. He died in our place. He took our, our, our judgment upon himself. And so it was with blood that the New Testament or the New Covenant was made. But it was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I, we have to remember also that the Old Testament sacrifices, many animals were sacrificed for sin and they were really just uh, a shadow and a symbol of what was to come. They were types that would show that there would be a perfect sacrifice coming according to the promises of God. God promised a new covenant. In the Old Testament, God always had in mind the salvation not only of the Jewish nation, but of all of the Gentiles, of all everybody in the world. And in Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. So the, under the law, the people of Israel could not keep that first covenant. It was a covenant that depended upon them fulfilling the, uh, the laws that were given. They had to keep the Ten Commandments and all of the other statutes and rules and regulations that had been given to Moses and nobody was capable of fulfilling those, uh, those commandments. And even today, none of us can really say, well, I've, I, I've, I've never broken any of the Ten Commandments. Can we, even with the first commandment, that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and we've always done that, we've never done anything else. None of us can say that. So we're all sinners. We've broken that, uh, that, that, the, the law as it was. But, you know, that was why God provided a new covenant and that was in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who would die in order to bring life to those who were lost. Now, the Abrahamic covenant, some people are going to say, well, uh, wasn't that the old covenant? Uh, the Abrahamic covenant was different to the, the covenant that God made with Israel in the desert. The covenant with Abraham was an unconditional covenant. God didn't say, now if, if you do this and if you do that, uh, you, you'll be okay. No. 
God spoke to Abraham and he listened to God and he just did what God wanted him to do. He left his home, his family, his country and he went to the new country where God was going to bless him. And God promised on his own will, I will bless you. And uh, the scriptures tell us about that. All the promises made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob will be fulfilled. The Abrahamic covenant promises were specifically to the nation of Israel. And the promises to Abraham were based on his faith and not on his works. He was justified before the law was given. The law hadn't been given in the time of Abraham and so he wasn't subject to that law. And so uh, when God made a covenant with him, it was something that God did and it was unconditional. He didn't put conditions on Abraham and Abraham obeyed. He had his failures and his faults but he walked with God all of his, all of his life. He was, uh, he was one who built an altar and then he built his tent as we read about it in Genesis and God was able to bless Abraham because of his belief. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, in Abraham and his descendants, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. What did he mean by that? He was saying there's going to be a time when not only the Jewish nation is going to be blessed, when only the Jewish nation is going to have to keep the covenant and they're going to have to obey me and be a witness to the world. They failed in that miserably, but God said, out of your descendants will come somebody who will be the basis of the blessing for all of the nations of the world. Now, you know, it's uh, pretty exciting when you're working with a place like Emmaus Worldwide and uh, we're back into the uh, tech age now with, uh, with that. There are 156 named nations in the world today and we are reaching 150 nations with the, course, with the courses uh, online. And people are, in some places, there's only been two or three that have done the courses. It's just beginning over the last couple of years. In others, there are thousands in different countries that are doing the courses because the word is going out to the nations. And, uh, and, and, and it's our job to get the word out to the nations around us because this was God's purpose in sending Jesus Christ so that the nations could be blessed. Romans 4 verses 1 through 8. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You see, Abraham didn't have to work for his salvation. The Jews had to keep the law and that was like working for their salvation. They could never do it. But he was justified because he believed God. And that's the situation we're in today now that Jesus Christ has come. When we believe and receive Jesus into our lives and into our hearts, we can be justified and we can be saved. Our sins can be forgiven and put away forever because God has promised that through his son Jesus Christ we have the basis for our salvation. Going on now, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from his works. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's in Romans uh, chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. So you can read those verses later on and, and just think about them. We, we can be justified without having to work for our salvation because it's the love of God in giving his son who paid the price. He started a new covenant, a new testament in effect and by his death we can be brought into the blessing of the new covenant that was made at the cross of Calvary. Now, a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament's uh, sort of obsolete. Uh, it's an old time thing where people were doing different things in different countries, different, uh, uh, different customs and so on, and they don't apply to anybody today. And that's why we just need to rearrange the things that are in the Bible because, uh, for example, we want to, we want to have uh, the LGBT crowd being feeling that they're loved and so on. And they begin to make excuses for all the sins that we can imagine. And they're saying, well, you know, that's old fashioned. It's Old Testament. But you know what? The Old Testament isn't obsolete and it is, uh, it is more than useful and applicable to us. The New Testament actually depends on the history of the Old Testament because in the history of the Old Testament we have the stories of different men and women who trusted God and followed God and we see their faults and their failures and we see how they lived and God is showing us through these different parts of history uh, something that was coming and something that was going to be better. John 5.39 says, the Lord Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes who were criticizing him, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. The Lord Jesus was saying, you go back to those scriptures and remember the New Testament hadn't been written when he said those words. Go to the Old Testament, go to the scriptures there and read about them and you will read about me. And that's the importance of the Old Testament because the Old Testament is revealing more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his actions, his ways, in the prophecies that are there for the Messiah who would come to be a blessing to the people. And these are some of the things that we're going to be looking at now as the reasons why the Old and the New Testament uh, go hand in glove. They are not... Uh, we don't finish with the Old Testament just because the customs are different. No, it is so important today as it ever was. Now you have two, uh, two uh, uh, books there. One is the book of the law, the Ten Commandments on the left side, and the Bible with the New Testament is on the right. Now there is con continuity and discontinuity. What do I mean by that? Well, the New Testament isn't just a continuation of the Old Testament. There are many things that seem to, to follow through, but there is a distinct change at the cross of Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A total change in the way things would be seen from the future on. The Old Testament is still, in, is, is, is still something worthy to read and understand, and it will point to all of the factors that we will begin to understand in the New Testament about who Jesus is, why, why he came, and what he, what he did for us. All the Old Testament is profitable. The New Testament relates to the Old Testament and we need to read it all. The authorship of, by the Holy Spirit of the Old Testament is, is the same person who authored the New Testament. He's uh, attested to in the New Testament as the author. Both are inspired by God. God continues to speak to all generations through both the Old and the New Testaments. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, 
God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so we have a lot of doctrine in just those couple of verses there about the Lord Jesus being the eternal Son of God. He was there at the creation of the world. We, we can believe in Genesis chapters 1 through 10 because we see there the creation of the world and the progress of man, uh, unable to walk with God as he should. Uh, all of these things are relevant to us today. That's why we need to begin with Genesis and read all the way through. And you know you can read through the Bible in one year if you just read five pages a day. You read five pages of the Scriptures every day, just continuing on or have a system where you read different sections. Uh, But one page from different parts will get you through the Bible in one year. We have to conclude all of the Old Testament is profitable. There are many parts that we don't quite understand. Uh, we were talking to a lady uh, one time not so long ago at Celebrate, and she said, I just don't understand the Old Testament. I, uh, I picked it up and I started reading in Genesis and I didn't have a, a, any idea. Well, what, what version were you re- reading was the first question we asked. And she said, well, the, new, the King James. And she didn't know what thee and thou and thy meant. But uh, anyway, that's just a, a start. But uh, So we gave her a, a, a nice, nice translation and she is just growing and living for the Lord. And it's just wonderful to see she came to salvation in her old age and, and, and all, she just loves all of the scriptures. And that's the way we all should be. Second Timothy 3, 15 and 17 Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, From a childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's where we start with salvation. We have to know all of the scriptures, get the picture, complete picture of why God is doing things and why he did things in the past. And then when it comes to Jesus Christ who came, uh, God manifest in the flesh to die on the cross to save us from our sins. We understand more because we've read the Old Testament, we've read the New Testament, and it's beginning to make a lot of sense and guiding us in the right direction. So, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. If you want to be equipped to serve the Lord Jesus, you need to read all the Bible, not just the New Testament, not just a psalm here and there, not just a couple of chapters a week. No, we need to be in the Bible every day, reading a portion every day, so that the Lord can speak to us and so that the Holy Spirit can open our minds. He can give us the illumination we need to understand because if we don't put an effort into it to do that, those sorts of things, how can we expect the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us and lead us in our everyday life? Because we should be living according to the Scriptures and what the Scriptures are teaching us. These things are so very important. Romans 15.4 For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Well, what were the former days? The times of the Old Testament. All of those things are there for our instruction. What can we learn from Samson, for example? He was somebody who was supposed to be dedicated to God, but he, he, he didn't consider that as, as an important thing, and he ends up having his eyes put out and, and working as a slave with the Philistines. You know, a lot of these things are in the Scriptures. Uh, we can learn from them. If you're not living for the Lord, what's going to happen? Maybe the Lord will come in with some discipline. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 that a loving father disciplines his child. And discipline may not be good for a time. It's very un, uh, something we don't like, but it has a purpose, and that is to bring us back on track 
to walk with the Lord. And so the scriptures are good for our instruction and for, for helping us. For whatever was written in our former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Do you have hope? Are you waiting for the day of the Lord when he will, the Lord Jesus will return to take us to be with himself? The beginning of that, the day of the Lord is with the rapture as we've been hearing. And, and this is a wonderful event that we should be looking forward to or are we sort of a bit scared about what it's going to be like when the Lord comes because he knows obviously what I am doing and what I'm, how I'm living and I'm not living the way I should. You see, we, we need to bring our lives into line with what the scriptures are teaching and helping us to understand so that we can live in a way that pleases the Lord. There's comfort through the scriptures. Now, there's a, a writer, D. Gooding, he's, uh, he, he's got a real heart for the Lord, and he, uh, he says there's comfort through the scriptures. Psalms have comforted the hearts of many. The messianic prophecies have confirmed their faith. They have been guided by the pithy, practical wisdom of Proverbs, taught the sanctity of joy and joy of marriage love. The exploits of the men and the women of faith have fired their faith and their courage. You see, this is another aspect of the Old Testament. When you read about King David, when you read about Joshua, when you read about uh, all of these different men of faith, uh, the Lord is able to challenge our hearts. I would love to be like them. And we'll see something interesting about all of that in a, in a, in a few moments. There are difficult areas in the Old Testament. There are things that we can't quite understand. Why did God leave this in the Bible? Why did he write about these things? Now, David was a great man, and, and Samson was a, was, was a man that God used, and, and we can go through a lot of these things. Uh, through the history of the Old Testament, God was showing not only the blessings of those who followed the Lord, but their failures and their faults to show that they were people just like us. And it actually says that in James about Elijah, doesn't it? He was a man just like us and yet he prayed and, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. So this, is, this is the sort of thing that helps us to understand how we should live. Jacob was a deceiver. He deceived his father, told lies to his father and, and he deceived his brother. And yet God took him up because he had a heart for God. He wanted the blessings of the promises made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he wanted to be involved in the progress of the nation of Israel and, and, and he wanted those blessings. Esau didn't, didn't care what the blessings were all about. He'd rather have a plate of soup and, and sold his birthright. And all of these things are there for us to understand. It's worthwhile putting our lives on the line and doing what is right. So that Jacob deceived his uh, father and brother. David was a man after God's own heart. It says that in the Bible. A man after God's own heart, and yet his sin was revealed after he sinned with Bathsheba and then went on and killed her husband to cover up his sin and then he married her to try and make it look like he was a very gentle and loving person who was, who was just taking care of a poor widow who had lost her husband. And he was the guy who bumped him off. You know, what sort, what sort of Bible story is that? But you know what? He... He confessed his sin. He repented of his sin and God gave him another chance. How many times do we fail? We fail a lot, don't we? But God wants us to confess our sins and move forward and don't stay in the past. And I've already mentioned Samson's sins. Uh, they, were sh they were shown in Judges 16, 16. And there are two horrible stories right at the end of Judges. And I'm not going to go into them, but they show us the horrible condition of Israel back in those days. 
the way they were living, the things they were doing. It was absolutely horrible. And yet God was prepared to forgive and move on with the generation that followed. And so we, we get from these stories, God is showing the faults and failures we have today. They're the same sort of people that we are today. They're human beings just like us. And we are never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But when we do sin, what, what was the example of David? He confessed his sin, he repented of his sin, and God forgave that sin that he committed, and he was restored to his kingship and followed through. Saul, he didn't repent. He didn't want to do anything like that and God took the kingdom away from King Saul. So these are wonderful lessons for us from the Old Testament. Prophecies that are fulfilled, and this is how the Old and the New Testaments are used to interpret each other. They interpret each other. They tell us about each other. Uh, prophecies that are fulfilled and their meanings for future events are clarified in the New Testament. Many of the Old Testament prophecies, we see the fulfillment of them in the New Testament. First Peter Chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. You see, they, they were making these prophecies and they had no idea how it was all going to develop and work out. God just said, you just prophesy and do what I tell you and believe that someone is coming to do all of this. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the beginning, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels long to look at. You know, even the angels didn't realize all that was going to happen when Jesus came. Why did the angels uh, there over near Bethlehem with the shepherds, why did they stand up and rejoice that the, that the Son is born? It was because they'd never seen God like Jesus Christ, a person. And they never knew what was going to develop because while they had tremendous intelligence and understanding, they wasn't revealed to them the many of the ways that things were going to develop through the prophecies that were given. And so they longed to look into those things. They longed to see them. And when Jesus came, they rejoiced. And when Jesus was on the cross, he could have called down a legion of angels. They were waiting. Send for us. We'll come. We'll wipe everybody out. No, that's not the plan. Jesus had to die because it was the only way by which we could be saved. So these are things that we can pick up as we go along. Ephesians 3 verses 9 to 11 to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So there are mysteries to the Old Testament people. So that through the church, this is one of the mysteries that was developed and became no longer a mystery, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's scripture from the New Testament and this was God's eternal purpose that Jesus would come and he would do what he, he, he had to do and that a church would be established. All believers form part of that one universal church. 
And this is something that is amazing to the angels, how that God could just send out through the apostles, through the Lord Jesus talking to them and the message that he left with them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them and and indwelt the disciples forming the church at the beginning, this was going to be a light in the world that would go out around the world. And we are part of that. We have the opportunity to witness, to take the word to the ends of the earth. And thank God that through the Emmaus, I'm just so thankful I'm a part of this missionary outreach to be going out to 150 different countries. And in the booklet form, the written form, 1.4 million courses are handed out every year around the world. In the prisons here in the the United States, prisoners, 300,000 of them every year, are beginning to study the courses of Emmaus. They're getting into the Word. Many are getting saved. And the ones that get saved, truly saved, they don't go back to prison like the majority of the other people because they have new life in Christ. These things are what the church is now showing to the world. The New Testament gives credence to the Old Testament statements. Luke 4, verses 18, 19, and 21 is a confirmation of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Lord Jesus read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Which scripture? Isaiah 61, those verses there, the Lord Jesus was reading from them and he said, today I am the fulfillment of these prophecies, of these scriptures. The people, they didn't quite understand. We can understand it better now because we have the Holy Spirit to illumine our minds and help us to understand. Creation by God is a fact. People are are doubting the creation story all the time. They're, they're, They're trying to bring in evolution and all of these other ideas and theories. But in John 1, verses 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word is Jesus. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And then again, the confirmation in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, In these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. The Lord Jesus gave credence to the creation and the disciples as they wrote the scriptures of the New Testament, they likewise were able to give credence to the Old Testament writings. There are many metaphors and symbolisms in the Old Testament and these also are clarified in the New Testament. Uh, For example, Isaiah 7.14 Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Where else do we read that? In in Matthew chapter 1, right? And then... Uh, Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where were those words finally proclaimed in a moment of victory when Christ died on the cross? Mark 15:34 and other scriptures. Psalm 23, 1, The Lord is my shepherd. And uh, this, this was a song of David. But in John 10 11, the Lord himself said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, the New Testament is, is clarifying the Old Testament scriptures and helping us to understand them more. But if we don't read the Old Testament, how are we going to even know what was going on before? We need to read the whole Bible. It's all worthwhile. Uh, there are types and shadows in the Old Testament. And uh, for something to be a type 
in the New Testament, I've heard in years past, people who would say, well, this is a type, and they would quote some verse way out of context, has nothing to do with anything, and say it's a type and we have to do this. No, for a type to be a type, there has to be what they call an anti-type in the New Testament. In other words, a verse or verses in the New Testament that clarify and speak to that as a type. And the tabernacle is, is a marvelous example of this. Exodus 26 through 28, we see the construction of the tabernacle. It was confirmed as the shadow of heavenly things in the New Testament. Read Hebrews 9 verses 23 and chapter 10 verse 1. It's there clearly stated that these were a shadow of, of the heavenly things. And now Melchizedek, you say, what, who's Melchizedek, you know? If you haven't read the Old Testament, you would wonder who on earth this is. But in Genesis 14, it's, it's about this priest who was living in Jerusalem at the time and when Abraham went out to rescue Lot and so on, he came back with the booty and he offered a tithe to this Melchizedek. Now, there's no, in the Bible, it doesn't tell where, when he was born, doesn't tell who his parents were, doesn't say when he died. It's just a name there in the middle of nothing. In other words, it's like an eternity, isn't it? It doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. Who, who does that remind you of? about the Lord Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing in one way or another to the Lord Jesus. It's a type of Christ and his priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, he is the one appointed by God. He, Jesus wasn't one of the uh, Levites. He didn't come from the Levite tribe, which were the ones who were supposed to guide the, all of the, the, the priesthood. Uh, but he, was, he was an outsider in a sense from that. But now he's our great high priest, ever interceding for us in heaven. Uh, these things give us confidence to proclaim that the scriptures are the inspired word of God and help us to know and follow Jesus maybe some new Christians here and that's great you need to read the Bible you need to believe what the Bible's teaching and you need to try and understand what it's all about 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 17 Paul could say to Timothy from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's where it begins. Salvation through the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For and all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So read the Bible and God will be able to take the knowledge you gain through the scripture reading and use it for his glory and make your life a tremendous blessing. The Lord Jesus confirmed also the authority and the inspiration of scripture. And this is an important point. The Lord Jesus' attitude and opinion of the Old Testament, he revered the Old Testament scriptures. The Lord Jesus accepted and used the authority of the Old Testament scriptures as God's written word. In spite of the constant prayer and communion with his heavenly Father, he was guided throughout his life and ministry by the written word of God. For example, when he was tempted by Satan, the Lord refuted the temptations and attempts of Satan to sin by using the word of God to silence Satan. Matthew 4, verses 4, 7 and 10. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And another time, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally he said, be gone Satan, get out of here, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you, shall you serve. See, the Lord used the scriptures to refute Satan and put up a barrier against Satan and what he was trying to do. The Lord used Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 to show that he was fulfilling prophecy. Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord Jesus used the Old Testament to correct people for not obeying. Now, uh, you know, I, I would hate to be in somebody's shoes if the Lord came along and said to me, you know what, you're, what you're doing is totally wrong. You know it, because you know the Scriptures. Mark 2, verse 25 through 28. And he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are the teachers of the Lord, would you believe? Have you never read what David did? You see, the Lord's referring back to these, not just as a, a legend, but th- this is history that he's, he's talking about. When he was in need, he was hungry. He and those who were with him, he entered the house of God and in the time of the bath of the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, they were eating some corn as a, on, a, on a Sabbath day and they were being criticized for, for, for harvesting just picking an ear of corn. They call that harvesting. If you had a wooden leg, you had to put it out, take it off on Sabbath. You couldn't walk with wood. That's carrying timber. Matthew 21:42. Have you never read in the Scriptures, the Lord says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, there are so many verses that show that the Lord was referring back to the Scriptures. And if he had to do it, or he wanted to do it, shouldn't we also know those Old Testament Scriptures? Matthew 9, 12, 13. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Hosea, he was quoting Hosea 6, 6. See, the Lord used the Scriptures all the time. Mark 12:24. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? You're all wrong. Why? Because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. You see, they, they weren't studying the Scriptures in the right way. They were just using them as laws to put weights on other people. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry... They're talking about angels. They asked this silly question to see if they could trap Jesus. If a man had seven wives, when they get to heaven, who was going to be the real wife? And he says, this is what he said. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passages about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He's not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And so he corrected those religious leaders directly there at that moment. You know, I love this part because I, I'm connected with Emmaus and has, uh, we just use the name. It's a very good name because of what <coughs> we read here and this is the reason why we do use Emmaus worldwide. Luke 24, 25, 27. The Lord, as you remember, he, he died, he was buried, he rose again on the first day and all the disciples were unhappy. Oh, what are we going to do now? We walked with him all these years. We thought he was going to be the Messiah who would come in and he would slay all the Romans and he would set up his kingdom and we were going to reign with him. Uh, and now he's dead. But he rose again. And a couple of the disciples are, are, are walking back to the town of Emmaus on the road to Emmaus and they're talking about themselves. They're very unhappy. And then this man approaches and says, what's, what, what's, what's the problem? What, what, what are you talking about? And they said, haven't you heard? You know, anyone doesn't know what happened, that Jesus was crucified? And they didn't recognize Jesus. For some reason, he, he covered 
that from them. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? And listen to this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we shouldn't just think that the Lord Jesus is the only one that we see in the New Testament. He, he told the people, you need to search the Old Testament because I am there. And all of the prophecies, there's something about me in different parts. There are different illustrations. There are different, uh, different themes that come up that, that are talking about my life and what's going to happen. And so he interpreted to those disciples. They took off in a hurry when they realized who it was. They ran all the way seven, mile, seven miles back to, uh, to Jerusalem to tell them, He's alive! He's alive! And, and you know, we can have that sort of excitement too if we read the Word and allow it to sink into our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. Jesus on the road to Emmaus interpreted the Scriptures from Moses, the prophets, and all the Scriptures, the Old Testament, about the things concerning himself. Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So that's the reason why we need to read the whole Bible, not just the New Testament, not just the Psalms and Proverbs. They're great books to read. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But we need to read the whole book because it's only as we read the Bible, complete Bible, where we have a complete picture or a better picture of who Jesus really is. And he will become more real to us. And we will be able to put our lives at his feet and say, Lord Jesus, here am I. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? And you will be surprised at the many things that the Lord will put before you as something that you would be able to do in service to him. Shall we pray? Now God and Father, we just want to thank you this morning for all you've done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came so willingly to die. We thank you for all the pictures and all the illustrations in the Old Testament that speak of the Lord Jesus. Help us to just see these types and figures that are there so that we can have a better appreciation of who the Lord Jesus really is. And when we get to the New Testament, our hearts will be bowed in sorrow for what he had to do for us. But at the same time, our hearts will be filled with joy because we know that it was on account of his great love for us that he died. And now he's alive and he wants to walk with us day by day. Help us to walk in a way that is worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen.